decade. Welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Handsome Home Buyer Podcast. I am your host, Charles, aka the Handsome Home Buyer, aka Captain Permit, aka El Judío Maravilloso. Thank you. <laughs> great show today, great week, a lot of exciting stuff happening. Signed a deal for a new construction. Getting very, very close to having a tenant for our triple net setup in Massapequa. I'm thinking 8,000 to 10,000 square feet. I'm thinking medical. I'm thinking major hospital. I don't want to get myself my hopes too, too up, but we're very, very close, and I'm super pumped. A lot of stuff going on. Um, amazing guest today. All right, I'm going to give like a little intro into the guest, and then I'm going to dive back into a selfless plug, and then I'm going to go back to the guest and we're going to get it rolling. So essentially today's guest is the gatekeeper to all things real estate and most importantly for the male viewers out there, hot, young, and Latina. All right. Unfortunately, ladies, he's a taken man, but guys can benefit from following him on social media for a number of different reasons. A, Unbelievable real estate knowledge, unbelievable hustle. 25 years old, I admire him very much. I wish I knew what he knows and had his energy, no bullshit, at 25 years old. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the resume. This is essentially the longest resume in Handsome Homebuyer podcast history, all right? Member founder of the Gold Bar team, right? Part owner of 24K Visual, N-A-H-R-P director? President. President of N-H-A-R-P, director of NYSAR, director of YPN, has his own podcast, Chasing Cash Flow, got one of the best hairlines I've seen in a very long time. <laughs> Did I leave anything? Oh, EXB Realty's own Juan Baranecci. EXP. EXP? You got it. You got it close enough. Yes. No, that's a killer intro. Thank you. Appreciate it. Glad, glad to be here. And as I tell everybody, I always aim to under-promise and over-deliver. So no pressure. Absolutely. Over the next uh, 30 to 45 minutes as this thing unfolds. So yeah, bro, I got to tell you, I uh, big admirer of yours, big supporter of yours Thank for you. a number Appreciate of different it. reasons. A, I respect the hustle. The hustle is like, you're out there crushing it. Right, and the cool thing is, it's like you're 25, going on 40, but in a youthful way. And what I mean by that, it's like, it's as if like you've already figured out the game at 25 years old, whereas like the average 25 year old is just getting drunk, trying to go to Coachella, doing <laughs> stupid, stupid stuff. Right, uh -huh. not even like I myself, I can say like I didn't even know who the hell I was until I was 30. Right, and I was in business at, I started in business at 23 years old, but at the same time, I didn't, I hadn't figured it out. It took me life. I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer, but you, at, at 25, kind of like, you know, we were talking yesterday, you kind of like, you know exactly where you're going, you know where you've been. Correct. You're hustling like a savage animal. I mean, how does that even, like, where does that come from? So, what it all originates from, to be honest, is I read a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's what it comes down to. I am a scientist by trade, so I have a degree in biology. Okay. I originally wanted to be a plastic surgeon. Of course. Yeah. So um, my whole concept was, uh, why don't I create a business model where I could go down to Miami, 
have a huge plastic surgery uh, clinic, and then from there branch out and, and get into more, let's call it, entrepreneurial concepts. Okay. Um, but that all stemmed from um, pretty much my mother being a doctor. Okay. So I'll, let me take you all the way back just to really start yeah. the whole thing out because I, I want you to understand how this whole thing plays out. Yeah. yeah. And I'm really always curious to know, like when I get people like yourself, which is rare, who like have that kind of fire, I'm always curious to know like what's the why, where does it come from? If you can remember kind of what the trigger was to make you want to be like, yo, I want to work 24-7. Absolutely. So it, it stems from birth. So what it came down to is my parents are both immigrant people from from their, their what do you call it? they're from Colombia and they came here about 26 27 years ago so you're first generation I'm first generation yes okay. and uh, when they came here they came here with the visa the 10-year visa and uh, what two hundred dollars in their pocket each Wow so my mother came already a doctor but when you get to the United States yeah, like I said it, it doesn't count you can't practice so what she had to do is go to NYU, retake the boards, retake the medical, do everything completely from scratch. Did she have scratch. to go to school all over again or just take the boards again? She had to just take the uh, the, the dental school. So I think it was three, four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she had to do that from scratch. And at the time, NYU, $200,000, $250,000. But over there, they're paying, what, 10 11% interest rate for yeah. these loans. So um, she comes here. She does it all over again. Wow. And then what it came down to is, like I said, my, my father came here. How old, was, how old were they when they came here? My mother was around 23 years old. So your mother was 23. She was and already, she was already a, a dentist. Yes. Already a dentist. Then Correct. goes back to school. How many years? She went back four years. Wow. Yeah. And now she's over here mm-hmm. in this foreign country with 250K in debt at 10% interest, which you know is like crazy. Does she, which is, it's, it's a mortgage and then some. It's a crazy hard money loan. Does yeah. she speak the language? She did not speak English whatsoever. And didn't speak English. Nothing. How did, and she went right into school? She went right into school. How? She had to redo the whole entire medical board but while what, learning a new, a new language. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, it's hard enough to learn that stuff when English is your native language. Correct. Like, how did she, I mean, how did she get in? I don't even, how does that even happen? It's, it's the hustle. Like, like, she is the OG entrepreneur, and like, I know exactly where I get it from. Yeah. So um, she graduates uh, dental school. She starts her own practice. She starts the practice in the basement of our house at the time, which okay. is like a small 700, 800 square foot facility. And while me and my sister are going to school and my father's working at his job, she's just churning out these hours, like literally doing root canals in a little tiny basement. And what it wow. comes down to is, is, like I said, she's growing it from the ground up, trying to pay off this loan. And like she always had like that, um, like time's running out mentality. If yeah. I don't pay this off soon, like what's gonna happen to us? Wow, and so, and how many years ago did she come here? So she came here about 26, 27 years ago. All okay. I know is that when she graduated dental school, mm-hmm. um, I was being born, I think, a month later. She was, pr- all right. She so was pregnant. Let's put this, this is like the definition of hustle right here. So your mother yeah. comes over after already going through the hell that is medical school to Correct. become a dentist. Yep. Comes to the States with no money in her pocket, can't speak the language, has to go back into dental school, learn the language while becoming a dentist, graduates in the four years that you're supposed to graduate Top in, 1% of her class. While pregnant, yes. and then proceeds to go right into practice and just grind it out. Absolutely. So I think it's safe to say that she's she's like, she's your influence, she's your driving force. Yes, and, and, and what it came down to is growing up as a kid, this is just happening to me like subconsciously. Yeah. I'm seeing this hardworking woman work for her family. Of course. To put food on the table, pay off the house, do whatever she has to do. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was becoming an entrepreneur like through her eyes. So it was one of those things like if you see it happen and you see someone that you admire just really motivate you, your whole entire life is looking up to this one person that you want to become. And essentially that's what I started becoming. Yeah, well, there's the, I guess there's a lot. And you're very fortunate to have that 
And uh, I'm very fortunate as well because my father was always in business. So, you know, it's, it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people to go and do what, what we do. Like, you're you're essentially a commission salesperson. Absolutely. Like if you yes. don't get out and hustle and, and sell houses, I'm not you're not making make any money. Correct. But for, for a lot of people, that's very, very, very uncomfortable. They need to, like, know that they're getting a paycheck every single week. For me, I would argue that working for somebody else is the riskiest thing you could do. But... You and I are really lucky since we grew up in that environment. It was just comfortable. It was natural for us Correct. versus the average person who grows up in like a corporate America house. So I think we're like, we're very blessed for that. A hundred percent. Yep. Wow. That's a crazy, crazy story, man. Yeah. So, so what it came down to is I'm going my whole entire life seeing her work. And the more she starts working, the more money she's making. The only thing is as the business starts growing, the more her expenses start getting higher as well. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those things that I, like, I, I kind of saw the whole... I guess rat race of the mm-hmm. thing, meaning you could grow this business to do a million dollars a year, but your overhead is going to kill you no matter what. And then it was around college oh, so. time, in the, in the sense that the more she had to expand, okay. the bigger of an office she had to get, the bigger of an office she had to get, the more staff she had to hire. And it was one of those things where it was never really truly passive. To this day, she's still working. Okay. And well, yeah, well, that's yeah, that's not a passive kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But see the thing, and, and I've experienced that. In my real estate career, and there was um, a guy who I know who's done a lot of these stuffs and a lot of the, a lot of flips and real estate for the last twenty years. Who was in Vegas and Florida, and he said to me, you know, I was doing like fifty houses a year, and he's like, listen, bro, you're doing fifty houses a year with like two staffers. I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's 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 freaking nuts. He's like, well, let me tell you what's gonna happen now. And he was right. He's like, you're gonna have to hire all these people, and then like the next twenty five or fifty houses, you're not really gonna make any more money because you have this crazy staff of people. But the staff of people is now gonna give you the opportunity to do two or three or four hundred houses a year, whatever you want to do. So there's kind of like these Absolutely, yep. leaps where, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to take on additional overhead, but there ends up being a benefit to that. Correct. But you have to understand business and have enough passion and faith in the business to be like, all right, I get it. I'm going to go through this process. Correct. Mm-hmm. So you originally want you originally wanted to kind of follow in her footsteps and be a plastic surgeon. Yes. So she was a doctor. I figured, you know what? Let me follow in the same footsteps. I know you can make a lot of money in this business. And what is the highest paying doctor profession there is? Plastic surgery. I think five of the top 10 doctors in the world are all plastic surgeons. Let me let me stop you there for a second. Yeah. As of today, what would you say is your main driving force behind success? My main driving so- force is financial freedom for me, okay. my family, and my clients. Okay. And what is that like? Define that for me. Like, What does that kind of mean for you? Financial freedom to me is waking up in the morning knowing that you don't have to go to a job that you don't like or an activity that you would rather not do and just have full control over your life. And what it came down to is someone explained to this, this concept to me way back, um, the concept of mailbox money. Okay. Meaning, what if you could wake up and you have a check in the mailbox for whatever amount that you need to cover for expenses, entertainment, ongoing life expenditures, and just be happy. And what I chase in life and now is how do I get to financial freedom as fast as possible? Nice. How do I learn this model? And now how do I teach others how to do it? Because once you're financially free, the stress of money is just out the gate. Awesome. So what's the um, so what's so take me down the road. Like what's the path? What's the plan? Like I remember when I get into it even today, I'm like, listen, I know what's going on a year from now, two years from now, ten years from now. Like Correct. You know, I know when I originally said I was like, I want to be married, retired, and have kids all at 40, right? <laughs> now I realize I'm like, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to retire because I just love the game so much. Correct. But I'm 39 years old. 
I'm turning 40 at the very end of this year and knock on wood like if I wanted to just hang out and you know not do anything correct I can do that correct which is amazing it's an amazing feeling correct so what is the like what is the path from today to financial freedom look like for you absolutely so what it comes down to is I am using real estate sales which is essentially selling homes whether it's residential or investment properties to generate commissions okay those commissions I'm investing wisely into investments that I feel are going to perform in the long term for that it would be multifamily commercial or some sort of medical office type uh, ordeal you don't um, do the stock market at all no, I don't no. you know what it is it's not that I don't believe in the stock market it's just I practice what I know okay. I read a lot about real estate I know how real estate works I know that you can control it and for me to invest in stock market would basically be gambling just because I don't know enough very smart people see do what you know not to say that you can't like go and learn anything Correct. Because I really, I get off on the challenge of like, I feel like I master something and now I have to do the next thing and you learn the, like the process of that. But like, you can't just invest in the stock market. Or Correct. You can't just like, like, oh, I like Apple. I like this. Or give it to like some financial advisor because most of these guys don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. not, not only that, if, if you're making, let's say, 10 times as much money as the financial advisor, mm -hmm. there's probably a good indicator you shouldn't be giving him your money. So and most of those guys themselves aren't doing the analysis. They're essentially just salesmen. Like correct. they're bringing it in to then funnel over to somebody, to someone else. Yeah, who's just putting it into whatever, and then they're dinging the shit out of the accounts. Like people are like, oh yeah, I'm investing. Like what are you investing? Like well, I don't know. Well, like what are you making? Well, I don't know. And then like oh, I'm making like eight percent. I'm like, did you look at the fees? Did the you fees, look at yeah. the lines? I'm like, by the time they're done with the fees, like. You're not making anything. Not only, well, what are you paying in taxes after that? Like they don't account for the net after taxes, which comes out to like a very small margin on everything else. So your thing is like, and this is what I tell people all the time. I'm like, I people are like, oh, I want to flip houses. I want to do what you do. It's freaking sexy. Blah blah blah. I'm like, listen, I flip houses to buy rentals. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you're essentially doing exactly the same thing. Just I'm doing with a what you're way doing, except flip. you're flipping houses. Is me selling houses. Exactly. It's an active source of income, which I'm transitioning into an investment, which will generate passive income. Yes. Exactly. Which is what I think people need to understand, because they're always like everybody wants to go into like the flip the house thing. Even agents. Like I talk to agents all the time. Like I want to flip houses. I'm like, guys, listen, you can make a butt ton of money selling houses. Correct. You see, like all those guys that are on a like million dollar listing, whatever. Those guys are crushing it. Correct. They're not flipping houses. They have no risk. Correct. They go out there, they bust their ass, they sell big dollar stuff, and um, what you do with that money at that point is different. That's what matters, correct. You know, mm -hmm. learn about the multifamily, learn about passive investing, get the mailbox money, get out of the game. So what's your target age to be, I know you want to do it as fast as possible, we all correct. do. What's your target age to be, essentially, not have to work? Uh, 30. So I'm um, 25, turning 26 next, nice. well, two months, and I have four years planned out. What, what is financial freedom to me? If you had to put a number on it, it's generating a million dollars a year passively. When okay. I mean passive, I mean passive-like to the point where you're not even getting calls from tenants. I don't want to, like I said, have to go fix plumbing in the middle of the night. I don't want to have to yeah. go fight with someone in eviction court. I want it to be truly passive, whether there's a manager in place or some other person handling it. I want to know that it's just coming in no matter what. No, that's true. I mean, there has, you have to manage from a high level. Correct. But, but yeah, people think like... When you get into like investing in real estate, it's it's interesting because depending on the type of real estate you get, sometimes it doesn't either you have a couple or you have like a shit ton and then you either hire a management company or you build yourself a management team because it's just it's it's a lot of work. Correct. There's a lot of shit. Like yesterday I had to run out to meet the sheriff because we were evicting somebody and then what 
out of a package of four houses that I bought that I'm going to gut renovate and reposition. Do you see this thing on social media? Yeah, so yeah, so a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sheriff's super nice. I like to meet them. Always like you know, because you never know, you run into them a lot. Uh-huh. And I, I go in there, and there's freaking the people. They cut the uh, line from the cesspool of the house. And there's two feet of human shit in the crawl space. <laughs> My foreman's like, you got to see this, bro. This house is a mess. I'm like, how messy could it be? I was like, we do tons of these things. This is, we, this is what we see every day. He's like, you've never seen anything like this. Gets his little hat on, gets his mask on. Dude, you walk in the front door, it's like getting punched in the face. He opens up the trap, and there's two feet of compressed shit. Wonderful. Over yeah. a 900 <laughs> square foot house. Wow. So, uh, um, what's the worst house you've seen, like, in the history of house living? All right, so I actually didn't buy this house. The guy was a little screwy and ended up bailing on the deal, like, after waiting for him for over a year. I think he lost it to a tax lien. But it was a house in Plainview, and the guy calls me and he's like, Listen, this is going to be the worst house you've ever seen in your life. I'm like, Sir, with all due respect, I'm like, I see hundreds of houses every year. Like, I, I get fleas. I give my girlfriend's dog fleas once. <laughs> like, you know, all kinds of crazy shit happens. He's like, Okay, I'm telling you. So I, I roll up to the house, and this is this is the owner's son that's telling me this. Okay. So I walk, I roll up into the house, and there's car parts and bread covering the entire property front and back. Like whole wheat bread, like whole, like soggy <laughs> bread covering the entire property and car parts because the guy like throws his car parts around, and the mother likes to feed the ducks. Uh-huh. Right now, this is in the middle of Plainview, like nice Plainview, like million dollar house Plainview. Yeah. Uh huh. So he's like, I'm just, I'm telling you, I walk into the house and it was like getting kicked in the teeth by like the rock. So essentially what's going on is the lady living in the house, the uh, the sewer backed up, like it, it backed up the, uh, the main line. So they took the cap off the trap in the basement. So every time they flush the toilet, the shit oh, and everything poured yeah. out onto the floor in the basement. Oh. So I go, this is how my whole ad of like you have human waste running past the basement steps. I go down into the basement. There's literally shit and piss floating past the basement steps. Cobwebs so thick you can't see the wall. What? Right? I, I'm like, I'm gagging. I run outside. I'm gagging on the lawn. I go back in for more. Right, the mother is there. The house is a wreck, and she speaks Italian, only Italian. In Italian, she's saying to me, "I speak Spanish pretty well, so I understand uh-huh. what she's saying." There's one new window in the house, and she's like, "Look how beautiful! We just put this new window in." I'm like, <laughs> "What is going on?" The sister is upstairs. I go upstairs. The sister is in a catatonic state, sitting in the chair, eyes closed, with a cigarette, like a like a hundred, like yeah, one yeah, long, the long skinny one, ones, yeah. Uh-huh. Half of it is burned and ash, and she's sitting there. I thought she was dead. <laughs> That is the worst house I have ever. I think you, I've ever. You didn't been. buy it. I, I tried to. Oh really? Okay. I w- I had it. The guy was supposed to sign the contract for a year. I was calling him every week. Every week he was going to lose it to a tax lien. Lose it to a tax lien. He ended up losing it to a tax lien. Wow. The second worst house is just like probably four feet of compressed garbage with raccoon shit scattered across it and just massive amount of fleas. So so there's nothing you won't buy. Like if nah. you'll buy that, it's just. As long as the price is right? Dude, I don't care where it is. If it makes money and it makes financial sense, I'll buy it. I don't care how uh, how bad it is. And that's why I learn kind of every aspect of real estate that I can so that I can always Correct. be buying. Correct. Because cause you know better than anybody because you sell real estate that the markets are always changing. There's always trends to everything. Absolutely. So yep. if you're the guy who just wants to flip in Levittown, there's going to be a point in time where you just can't do shit. Plus, you're not building long-term generational wealth. Correct. Yep. So, um, 
I want to talk about EXP for a second because I've never heard of it until we talked about it, and it's it's crazy in a good way. So first cloud-based real estate brokerage, national cloud-based real estate. I'm sure they have like I'm sure they have aspirations of probably going worldwide with this. Thing, Absolutely, yep. Right? How did you get hooked up with them? Okay, so I used to be at Kelly Williams for two years. Okay. The first company I started out was, uh, was Kelly Williams, I think May 2016. So I'm three years in the business as of today, actually. Okay. Um, and what it came down to is I was with Keller for two years and this man approached me, um, I think it was April of 2018, Okay. and his name was David. And David approached me and he said, hey Juan, uh, I used to work with Keller as well, you need to check out this model. And I told him straight up, I was like, no, I'm happy, I'm good, I appreciate the offer, talk to you soon. He came, he came back two weeks later, he said, Juan, you need to look into this, this is game changing, we're actually gonna be in New York, it's the first New York meeting. Come by, check it out. If you don't like it, we part as friends. I said, you know what? Whatever, why not? So I come to this um, this meeting. It's being held in uh, outside of a small hotel in JFK. Okay. It's like a very small, tiny room, and there's like eight people there max. And this guy starts doing one of these presentations. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I getting myself into? I'm, I'm doing one of these uh, multi-level marketing things. Yeah. I'm about to get pitched, and like, <laughs> uh, let, let me just walk out now. And he starts saying... Um, so I was at Keller Williams for X amount of years and I did this and I did that and he was at a very high position within the company and I was like oh wow so he's actually a person of, of influence and he starts talking about this model and the way he was explaining it it was like it wasn't even real and to make a long story short it was the first cloud brokerage established here in the United States okay it was established back in 08 during the whole financial crisis. Okay. So it was the right product or brokerage, just the wrong time. And it didn't really start catching on until about three years ago. Okay. Uh, when I joined the company, I think we were at about 8,000. Okay. And as of last month, we just passed 18,000. This is across the entire country? This is across the whole entire country, yes. So, and it, it's similar, like it's similar to an exit model in the sense that if you bring people on and mentor them, there's, there's a benefit to you, but the benefit extends far beyond what Exit offers, from what I understand. Yeah, so it, it's way different from Exit in, in the point of Exit's a traditional franchise, yeah. and they have brick and mortars. EXP has no brick and mortar whatsoever. So think about 18,000 agents running in a cloud environment. Yeah. Like it's actually like playing The Sims. There's like an actual world where you log on, you get tech support, training support, anything you need as far as uh, onboarding, administrative, everything's on the cloud. Because if you think about it, you're a big team and you want to expand outwards. Yeah. What's the one thing holding you back? If you're a big team, well, basically, I wouldn't say support, but infrastructure. Infrastructure. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you want to go expand an office, what's the first thing you're doing? You're signing a lease somewhere. Yeah. And then you're hiring staff and you're doing all of this. But if everything is based on the cloud and your whole back end is literally virtual, you could expand virtually with no limits. So and that's the whole concept. Explain that to me in the sense that let's say now you're so now you're an agent. You're Juan, you're crushing it. You're selling 40, 50 houses a year. You're like, listen, I need an assistant. I need this. I need that because I want to do 150 houses a year. Absolutely. Right? Yep. How do, what kind of support, what kind of infrastructure can you get through them? Do they, like, does that happen or do you hire on your own? How does so that you, work? So you still hire on your own. You still okay. build your own team. But the actual infrastructure the company has allows you to expand to, let's say, New York City, to Brooklyn, to Miami, to LA, while still sharing the same compensation model as you would if you were just local. And because it's cloud-based, there's no brick and mortar, they can offer um, higher splits to people? They offer much higher splits. They offer much lower caps. They offer no royalty fees, no franchise fees. And you get the opportunity to build a crazy residual through the model that, that it's in. 
So let me ask you this question because this is something like, and I guess I think this model is probably the way of the future, but obviously it, it takes a certain amount of time. How do you feel about a lot of agents feeling like, yo, I need to be able to go somewhere? So what I tell everyone is you have two clients. You have a seller and a buyer. Yeah. Where do you meet a seller if you need to sell his house? At their house. At their house. Yeah. When has an agent ever met a seller that is motivated at their office? Never ever happened. Never. No, it, it doesn't make any sense. But psychologically, people are like, uh, people are like, listen, I I need to know that you're legit. I need to like go and you know see an office, go to an office, hang out in an office, which those are probably the agents that aren't doing business anyway. Correct. And I'm trying to think: is it a is it a mentality thing? Like people that are your age, or let's say thirty and under, they're like, this makes sense. This is what we're gonna do. We want more money in our pocket. We don't need to go to an office. And those people just kind of get left in the dust as they get pushed out and get older? Correct. Or do you feel that people are going to convert and understand that this is the future and way to go? The older agents, I mean. Well, I think what it comes down to is the older agents have a traditional mindset that you're not credible unless you have an actual office or that you don't have a brick and mortar storefront and a primary road. Meaning that used to be the whole entire, I guess... Um, pinnacle of success. Once you have an office and you're built out and you're on a main road and people can see you, mm -hmm. you're successful. But nowadays, all that translates to is overhead. Yeah. So with new agents or the younger generation, the way we see things is where are we going? The first thing we need anything. Like if I needed to go to, let's say I just moved into town and I need a nice barber, I'm going on Google and typing yep. local barbers near me. On your phone. Same thing with real estate agents. Yep. If I'm a brand new uh, citizen in Wyoming and I need to get a house in the next 30 days, what am I doing if I don't know anyone? I'm going on Google, I'm going on Zillow, and I'm typing in real estate agents near me. So what it comes down to is, like I said, where you meet that agent is most likely going to be a bank because they need to get financing. Correct? Interesting. No, I no, I wouldn't have thought of that, but it, it makes sense. But I'm just as you're going on, I'm just I'm just kind of thinking about the future, and I'm thinking about how the younger generation communicates. And I had this I had this conversation with older agents like on a daily basis. They Correct. call me up and they're like, "Yo, we're not like I'm not really busy. The market's shit." I'm like. The market is changing, yes, but like there are people that are really, really busy. And I'm like, what are you doing about it? They're like, well, I just increased my, you know, my newspaper advertising, my direct mail advertising, and I'm putting my <laughs> face on a bus stop. And I'm like, listen, that doesn't work. It, it worked in the 80s and the 90s, but it's, yeah. I'm not going to say it doesn't work, but it doesn't work. It's not worth what you're paying for As it. effective, correct. And the and the people, first-time homebuyers, first-time homebuyer houses are the ones that are moving right now. Correct. Right. People of that age, let's say 35 and under, communicate in a very different way. They don't look at bus stops. They go to their phone. Everything that you're saying. Correct. Which is sick for you because I don't know if you're, you're excited, as excited as I am for you because you're in an unbelievable place. Being 25, right, having the energy, having the mindset, having the genetics and the upbringing from your parents, you're in like a perfect time to ride that wave and make a, a shit ton of money. Absolutely. So I, I came into real estate at, at a weird time. I'm getting into the business three years ago and I'm just starting out how to sell houses. I'm door knocking, I'm doing my calls. But as this whole thing is happening, we're shifting from a brick and mortar mentality to a Amazon, Uber, Netflix mentality, yeah. which is how do we take this thing from a physical location to an online brand and presence? And that's what these giant online companies did. And that's essentially what EXP is doing is they're building out a model to allow you to operate from basically anywhere. Let me kind of like jump back for a second because I was going to ask you this and then we started going on a tangent. Yeah. What caused the shift from being a doctor to now being in real estate? Because those things are, like, 
Like, there's there's no connection there. So I actually remember the precise moment. It, I, I call it a paradigm shift or a light bulb going off in my head. I was buried face deep in an organic chemistry book. I had a final the next day, and I'm studying. Oh, some... so you were in college for this? You were pre med? Absolutely. I have a bio degree from okay. Stony Brook. Yeah. And uh, what it came down to is I'm buried face deep in this book. I'm studying some crazy algorithm or formula. I just couldn't understand it. I was just like really frustrated. And I'm like, screw this. Like, let me just go on Google or something, type some things out. And I was like, why do I really want to become a doctor? That's the first time I actually asked myself, why a doctor? Interesting. And I wrote down the, the, the whole entire, um, I guess, reasons. And one of them is my mother's a doctor. You can make a lot of money as a doctor. It's a great business. It'll always be profitable in the future. But none of those actual reasons had financial freedom next to it, which is what I really wanted. And okay. I type it in on Google, how to become financially free, and real estate pops up. And I'm like, what is this real estate thing? This is before I even knew what landlording was or management or cash flow or anything. So, but the financial freedom thing comes from you seeing your mother work so hard and continually work so hard. And it's like, if she doesn't get up and go to work every day, the money stops the coming. The money in. stops coming, correct. Which is like America's problem. Exactly. Period. Yep. Huh, interesting. So at that moment, you're like, I'm going to finish this, but I'm not going to med school. I'm not taking the MCATs. I'm done. I'm going to be a realtor. Well, no. So a book came up in the real estate form. It was uh, called BiggerPockets.com. Yeah. And then the main book that they were throwing around was Rich That Poor That. Oh, you read that too? I, I read that book online, PDF. I have the final the next day. I read all 200 pages within like three hours. You know, oh. that, you know that was the book that turned me on real estate too, right? Did you ever hear that? That yeah. that book, I call, it, I call it poison because once you read it, your mind is infected and yeah. you cannot look the other way. Yeah, it's somebody, like, someone gave me that book. I was 27 years old. I was like, I'm going to be a professional investor. That's it. <laughs> F this. But yeah. it's just, it's crazy how much of an impact that had on people's lives. And it's yep. funny, when you read that book, it's like, yo, this stuff is pretty simple. Like, this is stuff that like you feel like you know. Correct. But for some reason, it just never penetrated. And, and, and the actual book, I felt like it was talking about my father. Because my father worked the corporate job, the nine to five, the really? 401k, the whole nine yards. And like I'm just like, wow, this applies to me so much. It's like my whole life is a lie. I need to follow this. And I applied for my real estate license like two weeks later. Wow. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That is, and then you, you have, you're not a broker, but you have broker status. You've taken the test? So I took the test. I passed the test. I completed all the points. The actual paperwork is sitting in the trunk of my car just because I have no... I guess, incentive to send it out. Maybe it's a nice little title change, but after this, actually, I'll, I'll go mail it out right away. It's like it's like one of those things just sitting in the back of my mind. Can you, you can, so what are you, associate broker under EXP? Is that how it works? I'm a licensed real estate salesperson now. But if you become, if you. I'll become an associate broker, correct. If I submit all the paperwork and they approve it. You know you're going to be a broker one day, right? In, in what terms? Like, you, I mean, I see you being like doing your own thing. I don't see you being under somebody. I just don't see it happening. I will be with EXP until I retire. You think so? Absolutely. Really? The whole benefit of being a broker with liability, with overhead, with responsibility over the agents, with paying insurance, with having to manage agents, all I see is my mother growing out a giant practice. Growing out a giant real estate brokerage with 100 agents, yeah. you now have to train them, you now have to make sure that they're not breaking the law, you have to make sure they're not getting in trouble, and you have to hold them accountable for everything they're doing so that you make money. Yeah, but you're looking at that as a in a traditional brick and mortar sense. Correct. What about you being young, you understanding the virtual, and then building out your own better. I'm already doing up the XP. Yeah? And I have 30 agents under me in just under 12 months, and there will be a lot more coming, so I'm happy that I'm yes. happy that I'm happy that this podcast is gonna live in internet land forever. Yes. Because if and when there comes a time where you're like, 
I'm opening my own brokerage, I would be like, yo, remember we had that podcast? Remember I said to you? I'm like, yo. Because <laughs> I just see, it, it depends, right? I don't know you well enough, but I, I get like, this is the thing about what happens when you get old, right? Correct. When you get old, you kind of get like this sixth kind of psychic sense on shit. Lately, that's been happening for me. A lot, it's a called lot like your gut feeling, like our second brain is in our in our stomach. The unconscious subconscious. Mm-hmm. You ever read Blink? You ever read the book, uh, the book Blink? No. By Malcolm Gladwell? No. To make a long story short, it basically talks about how any great, your unconscious subconscious and how the computer in the back of your brain essentially like makes decisions for you. Any great huge decision in your life, they say you should go by feeling. Anything like, like what am I going to eat for dinner or what am I going to buy in the store is like analytical and you make decisions otherwise just listen to yourself i agree mm-hmm. so when people think about like oh i've been here before i'm psychic that's really the computer in the back of their head correct so in my opinion you'll either launch your own thing because i feel like you're that guy correct or you won't only because you're using this just to get you to a certain point and then you're going to cash out and be done but i don't think you're ever going to cash out and be done because you're not that guy so, so the end goal, I guess, when everyone always asks me is like, what, what do you want to do? What is your purpose within, I guess, building a real estate team? People think that I want to sell a million houses and that I want to be the top agent just to be the top agent. My whole goal with real estate is to build the credibility from having a top servicing team mm-hmm. that I can now expand out into Miami, LA, and NYC. Why these three areas in particular? Um, I believe the Latino market over the next five years crazy, bro. is going That's to take over. Everywhere. It already everywhere. is. Yeah. Long Island. Long Island population is basically stable, slightly up right now. And the only reason why it is is because of the immigrant population moving in predominantly Latino. Absolutely. And the whole entire Latino, um, let's call it the Latino mindset is come to this country, get a job, and buy a house. Why? Because yes. they don't consider themselves actual citizens unless they're homeowners. So they're yeah. literally driving the, the, the home market in the United States yes. with one demographic, which is awesome. Yeah, that's like the American dream of home ownership is alive and well in the Latino exactly. population. Exactly. And if you could be the go-to team yes. in Florida, California, and New York. Very, very, very smart. You're, very, you're at the top, yeah. Brilliantly smart. And especially like, you know... Being Colombian, there's a certain like connection before we were talking. I was like, yo, you should convert to Judaism because like, <laughs> you know, you'll instantly make more money. Because I feel like amongst like the Jewish people, there's like that camaraderie. Absolutely. The same thing amongst the Latino community. Like, you know, it's obviously they, people trust their own. It, it makes sense. Correct. So mm-hmm. very, very, and, and not in a bad way. It just, it makes sense. Like when you're similar to somebody. You build rapport with someone. Exactly. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. subconsciously and consciously you build rapport with them. You know, like, okay, we come from the same we place. We connect. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I still see you opening your own thing. I just, I see, and that's why, like, I admire you and want you to come on here and talk to you because I see huge things for you in the future because you're so young. And I just feel like you're going to accomplish so much so fast that you already have that you can get to a point where you're just like, what's next? Because, all right, outside of financial freedom, because once you have enough money where you're not going to starve, Correct. there has to be something else. Exactly. So, what is it? I want to... I want to reduce the failure rate in real estate, meaning, I don't know if you know this, you probably do, 87% of agents fail, I think, within far, the first five years. Well, bro, there's 30,000 agents on Long Island, and half of them didn't do a deal last year. Half? Yes. Those are like the stats. So it was like, t- literally, there's like twenty to 29,000 realtors on Long Island, uh-huh. and half of them didn't do one deal. If you look at the numbers on a national, I think we're at 1.3 million realtors in NAR. And I think of the 1.3, like I said, if 87% fail, like th- th- these are people who are basically setting a stake in the ground saying, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. 
I'm gonna go out here and try this thing, and they're and they're failing. Yeah. Why isn't anyone doing anything to kind of combat this failure rate and help these people grow to where they're at? So like one thing I do like religiously on Instagram, I have people reaching out to me. Hey, you want any advice for new agents? Anything I could do to help you? I was on the phone for like two hours yesterday with like two brand new agents, and I just give them value, advice, and things that I would have told myself. Local guys three years or ago. Other? These are people from like New Jersey and Florida. Okay. Like they're just reaching out to me and they're saying, "Wow, what do I need to do?" And I and I actually take the time out of my day to help them, which is huge. Which is huge because no one did that for me starting out. And that's like, and that's so important. You get these guys like, listen. I always say, I'm like, I take every freaking phone call. I respond to every comment. I take every email, right? And listen, there's some people that just want to like creepily suck value out of you and you see that quick and you can kind of push that to the side. But most people just want like, want help. Absolutely. And it's like, you do it because you have to, it's your duty and responsibility to help the next generation and put that out into the world. But also like, you don't know, like that kid, right? That kid who's calling you from New Jersey. Correct. Might sell 200 houses in five years. Yep. Right? And might be working underneath you, and it's a great relationship for both. You're mentoring him; he's making money, or she's making money. They're making you money. You don't know who the next, you know, Juan Baranetti is going to be. Correct. And I've mentored people, let's say six months ago, that are now working with me, and they've been like the actual the best partnerships I ever built. So you never know, just like you said it, who's going to be that one person who's going to really shine through, make it past the statistic mm-hmm. of nine out of ten fail, and then be a rock star, and then he's going to hold you as the person that, that helped him get there. So most of your, as far as like your real estate sales goes, most of your stuff is in the boroughs or you're or everywhere. So I'm in the outer boroughs and Long Island yeah. and we're breaking into Manhattan possibly in the next two or three months. Okay. So my goal is really to take it straight to NYC. Why? Because I feel that unless you're an NYC agent and you have territory over there, um, international wise, um, you'll have a much bigger impact. And, and that is my goal to what do, do the, that NYC, Miami, LA, those are the major cities within the state. Okay. If I could be the go-to team in those places for Latinos, mm-hmm. I can now expand international, and that's when the thing really blows up. So you're really, really honing in on the niche market of the Latino community. That's Correct. it. Like, not that you won't service everybody, but like that's really where you're looking to go. Yeah, and like I said, I, I have clients that are that are Chinese. I have clients that are Bengali. I have clients from all over. Um, but my niche is how do I help this giant community that really lacks that go-to person and that resource mm-hmm. to help them build wealth. And what is the fastest way to build wealth, in my opinion? Real estate. How do you balance the schedule of your days? Meaning, like, obviously you have family, obviously you have a girlfriend, you're you're bringing in new agents, you're helping new agents, and then you have to bring in business because that's really how you make your money. Correct. Right? So how do you do that? What does a day in, in, in Juan's life look like? So I'll, I'll, I actually block everything on my Google Calendar in, like, 30-minute slots. Meaning mm-hmm. my whole entire calendar, if you look at it right now, it's color-coded from, like, blue, green, yellow, red, and each slot represents a certain activity that I have to be doing. Okay. I call it the perfect schedule. And how long, do you do this in week increments and in day increments? How does that work? This is Monday through Friday, like. Well, meaning like, yeah. do you sit on Sunday in, the, in your, do you sit down on Sunday and say, I'm gonna schedule my week? Or like, how does that work? Is it a day by day thing? This is predetermined, so I actually have the calendar already set up for the next 10 years. Okay. And I just have to plug in as soon as an appointment comes in. Oh, in 30 minute blocks. Yeah, so, so, so first thing I do in the morning, I wake up at five. Um, because I injured my myself, I can't really go to the gym anymore, but the actual plan was go to the gym, have a protein shake, come back, uh, either pray, meditate, do some sort of affirmations, mm-hmm. write down my goals on a journal, uh, review my goals, make sure I'm hitting my goals, and then I head into some sort of um, role play with a partner mm-hmm. where they're a top agent across the country, I'm getting my skills up, and 9 a.m. sharp, I'm in the office, nine to 12 prospecting. So I like to call- Every day to you do the role playing. 
every single day. Is it weird that I got like got a little kinky vibe for a second before the whole Asian <laughs> thing? Is that strange? No. And, and, and my girlfriend gets pissed off me sometimes because I'm like, I'm, I'm role-playing in the morning. Like, Who are you role-playing with? I'm like, oh, I'm role-playing with this girl from California. She's yeah, like, why yeah, the yeah, hell are you yeah. calling her before you're, you're giving me the good morning text? So, That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, so how does the role-play work? So the role-play is 30 minutes okay. where you pretend to be the seller okay. and I'm the agent. Okay. And now you're going to give me the hardest objections you have, which is why would I work with you? Why would I pay you a commission? Why the hell are you calling me? And now I have to come up with an objection to kind of take over that. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I mean, you may or may not know this about me. I was trained, so I had a Mako franchise before this. Okay. Right? So I was trained, my father's partner, my father had one as well. His partner was a classically trained salesman who tra- who sold Electrolux vacuum cleaners door to door in the 70s, right? So that's like, as, as basically as hard as you can get. But he was, he was trained under like, Zig Ziglar, Tommy Hopkins, you know those guys? The best of the best, yes. Like old school, that's like a lost art. So it's very cool that you do that. Do you notice, this is the one thing I was taught like right away, people are all the same. So essentially, you're going to get up like five, six, seven, eight, eight objections, whatever it is. Everyone's going to tell you the same thing. Correct. You just come up with kind of like canned reasons, to, ways to overcome those objections. Correct. And that's how you close. There's two main objections for anyone listening or watching. If, if in, you could if over, you're real estate, if you're in real estate, agent. sales specifically, if you could overcome this, immediately you'll get the business. The first one is, I'm not in a rush. Every for sale by owner is not in a rush. Okay. Even a lot of expired people they that went off the market, that? they're not in a rush right now. I wouldn't think that. Yeah. Well, how did, the, how did the lead come in? Did they reach out to you or? You have to call them. Okay, so this is this is in that scenario where you call them up. Correct. So take me through from the beginning. You, this is not like over referral or... How do, you're sitting down, I'm gonna sell my house, I'm not in a rush, how did we get to this table? So the only way to overcome that objection is to show them that the longer the house sits on the market, the less money they're making. You could tell me that you're not in a rush, you, you don't wanna give your house away and do whatever you want, mm-hmm. but technically, the longer you leave that house up there, for sale by owner on Zillow, truly whatever happens, is directly correlated okay. to the price that it sells for. So this is like, somebody's trying to like sell it themselves or sell it on Zillow or whatever, you reach out to them and you're like, yo, you want me to be selling your house. And they're like, I'm not in a rush. And then you whack them with yep. that. What's you, the second one? The second one is I'm trying to save on the commission, right? Because why else would a person sell on their own? Why not hire a professional? Yes. So if you combat that and you show them you could get them more money, including your commission, all while helping them do all the work and giving back their time to them, they'll trust you and they'll want to use you. I mean, that makes perfect sense. But then every agent is sitting out there listening to the Handsome Homebuyer podcast saying, <laughs> how the hell do you prove to them that you're going to get them more money. Well, that's the gold bar secret. Oh, <laughs> shit. So in order yeah. to do that, how do people get in touch with you anyway? How do they follow you on social media? A, to see everything you're doing, which is yes. great. B, to check out the smoking hot lineup of hot 22-year-old <laughs> Latin girls. I haven't looked at it because I don't look at things like that, but I've heard through the grapevine that it exists, <laughs> and it is very impressive. I don't know where you're finding this. That's, that's someone else's Instagram. Very impressive. <laughs> So they could find me on uh, on Instagram, a Latino agent. Okay. Just how it uh, how it sounds. No, no underscore, no nothing, right? No underscore, Latino, Latino agent. agent. That's that's what it is. And I'm also on Facebook, Juan Baronetti, and I'm also on LinkedIn. And I'm very accessible. You send me an email, you send me a message, I'll respond back right away. Bro, you're the freaking man. Ton of love, ton of respect for what you're doing. You're still probably gonna end up being a broker or or opening a different kind of business <laughs> one day. I said it here. Shameless plug before we leave. You know who else? smokes latin girls you know who else is an insane hustler captain permit 516-513-8838 you need permits you need plans you need expediting you need anything permit or town related you're losing your mind you're pulling your hair out because lord knows it's a nightmare 
Give us a call, 516-513-8838. If you have a house that smells like Cappy, obviously you know I like human waste in all fashions, floating past the basement steps, in a crawl space, whatever it is, I wanna buy it, 516-777-SOLD. It's a wrap. Me llamas a la...